This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on FUBAR Radio. Sorry, sorry. Oh no, no, I've gone blank. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're listening. You're listening to uh, uh, Nick and Nat's fan club. club. Um, Take a a drink. I drink my uh, chamomile tea. It's so hot. Um, my name is Nick Helm, and uh, I'm jo- joined in the studio live by co-host Nathaniel Metcalf. And um, you're listening to Nick and Nathaniel Metcalf. Fan Club. Fan Club. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise known as Fun Club or Fab Club. Yes. Uh, so that's something to... Uh, no, I'm back. Hey, let's do this again. Nick Helm <laughs> and Nathaniel Metcalf's Fan Club on Fubar Radio. <laughs> oh, that got it. Uh, I'm Nick Helm, and this is... Nathaniel Metcalf uh, Natty M and you are listening to Nikki H and Natty M's FC <laughs> oh no oh no it's gone um, we were just only seconds ago talking about the fact that we haven't seen anything this week um, but, so it's uh, time to go straight into better or worse <laughs> no <laughs> um, so um, my name's uh, my name's uh, Nick Helm um, I know, Nathaniel uh, and, and this is Nathaniel Mick you're yeah. listening to another five star fan club another five star already I think we should officially call it five star fan club uh, this is our last uh, fan club of the year before our birthday in two weeks' time, but we've already pre-recorded next Friday. So, yes. uh, so, uh, uh, but don't worry, we're doing another pre-record next Friday to make up for my absence in August. So, uh, so <laughs> even though I'll be entertaining tens of people in Edinburgh <laughs> over the entire month, uh, you'll still be entertaining tens of people on Fubar Radio. Tens, tens of inches of people. That's one whole person. <laughs> uh, yeah. They are uh, 80 inches tall. Sure. Is that, is that a thing? Uh, can, 80 uh, inches. Can you just look up, Natalie? Uh, how tall is 80 inches? <laughs> Thanks. Um, in uh, feet and then metres. So uh, 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 stay tuned. We're about to find out how tall uh, uh, an 80-inch person But really if you want to guess, maybe tweet in and have a guess. If you have any guesses out there, maybe we'll save it for the beginning of the second half. We'll, uh, uh, we'll sure. ask our special guest, yeah. uh, who's a big surprise guest, for those of you that aren't on Twitter. Um, oh, bloody hell. Oh. 80 inches, that's two point. Three. To, uh, we've, uh, I've given it away now. Three, I mean, this was going to be our big three, surprise two. for the beginning. Oh. Never mind. Okay, fine. Uh, well, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> uh, wrong button. I'm still still getting used to the. Uh, I mean, they're all written down in front of me, but uh, spoiler. There he is. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, Eighty inches is six point six 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 seven foot. Foot or feet? I would say I would say feet. I would say six feet. Um, six, one foot. Six recurring, I guess. One foot. Um, but six point. What, what do you think? That is it. Foot or feet? I'd say six point I'd six 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 seven foot. Six feet. Feet. I think. Yes. Yeah, I'd say feet. I'd say six point because I wouldn't say 
2.032 meter. I'd say meters, which is plural. Yeah. But then you would say euro, wouldn't you? Yes. But you wouldn't say pound. You wouldn't say ten pound. No. You'd say... Ten pounds. You'd, say, you'd whack an S on the end, wouldn't you? What are you, go- what are you doing over there in the, in the booth? <laughs> what, to who? To, 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 to everybody. All oh, right, okay, because it's really distracting because it, it looks like we've gone live and someone has assassinated the Queen. <laughs> and so there's like something that's going... Like, just to, or listeners, no one has done that. That's, that's just a... Don't Although if that to, has happened, it looks like we... We don't know anything we about it. We don't know anything it. about it. I don't it. want to... I don't, <laughs> don't want to uh, drum up some sort of Orson Wellesian type level of mania. Mm. Uh, uh, famous... Uh, a reference to the famous incident where uh, <laughs> we've seen nothing. <laughs> a reference to the Orson Welles te- radio play, radio play, War, War of, of the, the World, world. Yeah, yeah, where yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where b- back in the 1920s, uh, only morons were allowed radios. <laughs> um, have you heard it? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's just like danger, danger. <laughs> it, it's, it's, a, it's a play. Yeah, it's clearly a play, uh, and uh, it was like uh, on the. I think it was a tape that came out in the nineties that was free on the front cover of Empire. I think that's where I've got it. Yeah. And uh, I listened to it then, and uh, yeah, it just it doesn't sound remotely real. <laughs> and then I when when Orson Welles had to apologise for it, and he didn't mean his apology, but like it was. Um, yeah, it's just it's like uh, when the first um, the first uh, cinema audiences went to see that train, isn't it? In the oh, cinema, yeah, yeah. and the train pulled up, and uh, uh, the train pulled up to the camera, which was recorded, you know, uh, yeah. put on film. Very much the Captain EO of its day that was. And then people, and then they showed it in a cinema, and uh, the train pulled up to the camera to the screen. People ran out of the cinema screaming. Yeah. And I just think, they're idiots. They're in a cinema, not a train station. <laughs> it's probably in black and white as well. It's in black and white. It's just like, you know you can see in colour. <laughs> no, what they didn't say was it was a room full of dogs. <laughs> um, there he is. There's the magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, the magic is back. So, uh, so rule first rule of fan club is uh, tell your friends about fan club. Obviously, saying you've already done stage. that. We've case, nearly done a year. We've nearly done a year. You must have all told your friends by now. We've, you must have told all of your friends by now. It's been a year. You've had a year of it. Of course, you have. What was the very first thing that we said on the very first fan club? Uh, write in uh, and let us know. Fifty. Well, fifty. Fifty weeks ago at this stage, but uh, Theresa May has quit. That is official. Is that true? Is that true? She's quit. When did she quit? When we went on air? Midday? An hour ago? Uh, I've been here for 15 minutes. Why the fuck haven't you? Why wasn't that the first thing that you put in my hand? We could have done a hard-hitting political show. Instead, I'm pulling facts out of my arse about Orson Welles, who, let's be honest, has been dead for 37 years. <laughs> uh, he? Is that about? Well, he's in Transformers the movie, isn't he? That was his last film. What's that, 85, 86? It was uh, earlier than that. I'd say 84. 85, I'm going to say. Transformers I'm going to say 84. Movie. Uh, this is the wrong sort of information that we need. Let's keep on... To, uh, Transformers why, the movie. <laughs> why don't you take your uh, uh, cue from what we're talking about rather than interjecting like, <laughs> uh, like a child? Orson Welles used to hire ambulances <laughs> to drive him around New York City. <laughs> 
How do you hire an ambulance? To, is that like in, in people who need ambulances, but he's getting people to give him a lift places? Sounds awful. Osmars used to hire ambulances to drive him around New York City. Well, no, because he was, he was morbidly obese by the end. I'm sure that was one of the only things he could fit in. Okay. If, especially if, you know, you gutted it. You know, he threw the, the the gurney out and you know, the uh, defibrillator. I don't think he was that big, was he? He was huge. See, um, uh, and his favourite—I mean, look, I mean, he was huge. Now, I mean, for instance, his favourite meal was two rare steaks and a pint of scotch. <laughs> yeah, well done. Just for that, someone you knew. <laughs> yeah, just someone you knew. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a British a British uh, horror short with Orson Welles. I went to, I went to three British horror shorts from the fifties at the BFI because that's what I do. When did you do that? About three weeks ago. That sounds great. Yeah, it was they're all like, a, and one of them has Orson Welles in it, and it's while he's filming Macbeth, and he's like he does this sort of. Who was uh, he in Macbeth? Was he Macbeth? He's Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> I found something out recently. Yeah, go on. Uh, but there's just a bit in it where he's... I mean, the other films, the other shorts were all pretty terrible. Mm. But he's just in the last one, which is like a ghost story. And he's basically being told a ghost story by... So it's him driving along a British country lane, picks up a hitchhiker who tells him a ghost story. and uh, But on the way there, he's, as he stops, he sort of sees a guy stood over his car fixing it. And... Uh, the guy and he sort of go, oh, will this be any good? Is this going to be boring or something? And where where Orson Welles earns his money is where um, he rolls down the window and says to the guy, "Excuse me, sir, do you need a lift?" And he goes, uh, "No, I'll be fine." He goes, "Are you sure?" And he goes, "Wait, are you?" And he goes, "Yes, I think I might be." Orson Welles. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, "He says, oh well, I'm just uh, he says I'm just having some problems with my distributor." He goes, "Well." We've all had problems with distributors. It's a, distri- it's a distributor part of a car. Part of a car. Oh, that's very good. And it's all like that, winking at the camera, and you go, this is good. He should, this is solid he stuff. He should have said, distributors, I'm so tired of distributors. I find them exhausting. <laughs> he should have done. Sunroof. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's why you should have written it. It would have been better. Uh, <laughs> they executive produce such a level of anger within me. <laughs> but in the future, of course, all stoplights will have speed lights, cameras, action on them. <laughs> uh, and then he would have just like really, the other guy would have slowly wound up his window and reversed and then driven over him. <laughs> um, his last film appearance Five was in fucking when was Transformers the fucking movie <laughs> made? Fucking hell. His last film appearance was in Henry Jaglom's Jaglom? Yeah. Oh, 1987. I thought I thought his last movie was Transformers a movie. Uh, no, but oh, uh, someone to love released after his death, but produced before his voiceover in uh, Transformers. Transformers was his oh, okay. last thing that he did. Um, uh, did you see uh, the, the 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 making of that? What was that film that he abandoned? He was making it and then he abandoned it. Mm, there's a few, I think. It had John Huston in it as a, as the actor. It's on Netflix. It's a documentary, basically, about his one of his lost classics. Okay, and then basically they've taken all the footage and they've edited it, and they've so they've released the film, and they've released the making of film. I only watched the making of, and then 
that was quite enough for me. It looked like a pile of shit. <laughs> but, um, and I've, I've never seen Touch of Evil either. I've watched oh, that's, what, that's, that's it great. I've, I've watched like the first five minutes. I've watched the opening shot. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's got that music in it, hasn't yeah. it? Uh, the amazing music, um, which doesn't feel like it's from that film. It's so sort of like it feels like it's from a, like a Tales from the Unexpected or like a right. like a TV show of that thing. But um, the other side of the wind—that was the name of the film. Is that the name of the film or the documentary? What's the documentary called? The documentary is called The Other Side of the Wind. And what's the film called? Um, yeah, that was quite interesting. And there's that of and there's also that um, that trailer that the advert that he made for the. Is it the oh, yeah, wine, wine. when he's just absolutely <laughs> fucked off his face. <laughs> And, you know, it's sad because he, you know, he was famously uh, a genius, as he kept telling us. <laughs> Have you read that um, um, William Castle book that I got you yet? No, I haven't. There's quite a lot about, Alfred, uh, about fucking Orson uh, Wells. Wells and that because they kind of were contemporaries and they worked together on The Lady of Shanghai. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, and he sort of ripped him off for it, didn't he? He kind of, he said, oh, I've got a great... Like it, like William Castle was always trying to make a good, proper movie, yeah. And so, like, would always be reading books, and he reads this book and goes, "This make a great film." Shows it Orson Welles. He reads it and goes, "Yeah, it would. I'm making." It. <laughs> uh, that happened with Rosemary's Baby as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he really wanted to direct that, and they were like saying, "Well, we've got Roman Polanski," and uh, he was just like, "No, nah, oh, I really." Want all right. Yeah. And so he had to s- settle for a cameo. I think he's. And he, he's pro- he still actually produces it. He produced it. Yeah. yeah. And he got an Oscar. I think. Yeah, yeah. No, he didn't get an Oscar, did he? Rosemary's Baby probably didn't get Best no, Picture. No, probably wouldn't have done. But it did get Oscar. It did get Oscars within it. But he got nominated. I assume. Yeah. And I think he loved that. Apparently, like it was a thing where he did take great pride in this thing. Where because actually he's one of those people who's obviously quite smart and can. We're talking about William Castle, just in case anyone's... William Castle basically was like a sort of B-movie Hitchcock. But he's obviously had the, you know, the ability or the, you know, if if given the chance to make A-movies, he probably would have made pretty good ones, really. He had a good good sense of what was good and what was... uh, Also, he had sort of like, and not to sound sort of like... uh, you know, like pompous or whatever, but like he had sort of like a resilience to him where he would keep making, uh, he would just keep making films and he did mm. loads of knockback. I mean, he started out as a, an actor on the stage and he basically just pursued, uh, and, and the book is really lovely because he comes out of it, he's just a really funny, likable guy. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, he just basically saw opportunities and went for them, and to the point that he, he and then he was just like, "I'm not an actor. I, I just really want to make films." So he directed and produced, and then eventually he made uh, he made loads of films. Um, but he'd always have like an eye for oh, Vincent Price, he could be in one of my films, or mm. um, what's the face out of uh, Joan Crawford, she yeah. could be in one of my. But it was Joan Crawford after Rosemary's Baby. After whatever happened to Baby Jane. Oh, sorry, sorry. After whatever what happened to Baby Jane, but it was kind of like, and that was, that was late Joan Crawford. Mm-hmm. So it was like really like late late Joan Crawford when she had a bit of a resurgence of Baby Jane, and then um, uh, yeah, he was just really good. So I, so I think that actually the, I, they've sort of made a William Castle film out of man, uh, Matinee. Is it Matinee? Yeah, or? Matinee. Which I find confusing because the film in Matinee is called Manatee, isn't it? Yeah, Mant. Mant. It's called Mant. Yes. And, ma- and Manatee is uh, obviously a, a, a sea cow. 
<laughs> obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think that that would make a really good uh, thing because it's got a happy. Oh, so, oh, uh, the other thing it's kind of like is Bowfinger. Yes, where yeah, they yeah. all get their premiere at the end. Spoiler yeah, alert. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, there's probably a sort of Edward style uh, William Castle film that you could do as well. I suppose they did sort of make no, but like William Castle didn't. Hmm. Edward made bad films, didn't yeah. he? And William Castle didn't. He made gimmicky films. He yeah. made films that lived and died by their gimmicks, basically. Yeah. And a couple of his films are like are, are quite bad. Like they're bad William movies, Castle. but, yeah, but, but the some of them is, are really capable. Like it feels like he's got a thing like Roger Corman has, where you watch a lot of them and go, "This is a really capable, well done film." It's not like it's not in that way a B movie. Like where you're watching it and going. You're sort of forgiving things for being bad. Yeah. But he's, he's certainly capable of doing really good stuff. And they've been remade, mm. you know. Well, stuff like Rosemary's Baby hasn't gone away, but then stuff mm. like... And then when they did Feud, basically, uh, what, what, didn't they do, like, the making of... What was the Joan Crawford film that she went on to do where she was an ex-murderer? Oh, uh, is it called is it, Straight is Jacket? Is that on? Is it Straight Jacket? Um, yeah, it's not Maniac. That's no, no, no. Hitchcock, right? No, that's him as well, Maniac. Maniac. Oh, then it was Maniac, I think. Was, was it Maniac? Maybe it is. Uh, yeah, no, Nazi, Maniac, Maniac is the one that's like a psycho knockoff. So is it Straight Jacket, I think? So, yeah, it's it Straight Jacket. So who's in Maniac? Um, but also, what was the... Frenzy. Was Frenzy Hitchcock? Hitchcock's Frenzy, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I just think... Yeah, so... But they remade his films in the like the nineties, so there was like House and Haunted Hill and Yeah, and Thirteen Ghosts. Thirteen Ghosts. But um I don't know. When you watch them on telly, it kind of in the cinema at the time there would have been like when he made the it's probably his most famous one is the Tingler. Tingler, I reckon. And that was where uh, there was kind of like a bug that got loose in the cinema. Or on screen, the bug mm. gets loose, and then he put little buzzers uh, underneath everyone's seats. And uh, and when, you know, it's basically what they do in theme parks now. You know, it was like yes, 4D. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it was like four, yeah, exactly. 4D um, film experiences. So when you watch sort of like, think 13 Ghosts, or maybe it's Haunted Hill, when there's a skeleton that comes out at the yes, end. Yeah. And then the skeleton... There was like a plastic skeleton that got on a on a, a string wire or something. Yeah, yeah, that got like dangled over the audience's heads, and um, and it was like really sort of. It feels like it was really homemade and mm. sort of. And well, I, I would say about all, all those sort of. But elements. when you're watching it at home without that effect, it's kind of like you have to like go. Yeah, I imagine mm. that this film was a, a lot of fun in the cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't get that experience. No, home. but I would say unlike a lot of people of his vintage. His films are surprising in that I will often jump at bits that it's sort of like, oh, I wasn't expecting that at all. Right. So he is like, he's got sort of quite modern in, in his sort of ability to do scares and things. Um, Transformers the movie was 1986. What did I say? I said 37 years ago, didn't I? And yes. I'm a, I'm a cunt because it wasn't 37 years ago, it's 33 years ago. Yeah. Oh, fuck it, fuck me. Fuck, fuck my life. <laughs> just committed Harry Carey <laughs> and then said it afterwards <laughs> well I am a thoughtful broadcaster to the last <laughs> I wouldn't do something as graphic 
as getting a samurai sword and uh, cutting cutting a sideways L shape into my gut so that my intestines spilled out all over the radio studio's floor and not inform the listeners. (laughs) And, and then stay broadcasting as well, which that, is good. And that's my guarantee. So uh, I think I've probably got about an hour and 40 minutes before I bleed out. Uh, and that'll take us to the end of, luckily, our, uh, our last show of the year has been pre-recorded. That, that's coming oh, next week. Uh, so I've just drank some tea and it's just come straight just all, out. From, all over my trousers. That won't um, come out. Uh, it's chamomile. It's fine. Okay. <coughs> so I just wiping some blood away from my mouth. Um, my uh, fun fact, though, about um, uh, speaking of Macbeth, uh, is that um, so Sean Connery left the James Bond franchise. Yeah. And then uh, what's his fucking face? Uh, George Lazenby. George Lazenby took over for one film. Um, and then he left. I think he got really arrogant. He asked I think for he, loads, I think he, I think he, he, did, he did one and was a bit like, "Well, I'm James Bond now, so I'll, uh, you know, I think I'm a bit too big for this now. I'll, uh, I'll have loads of money and I'll be." It's like, have you not seen the franchise? Yeah. He goes, "Oh well, I'm uh, James Bond now. I'm irreplaceable." It's like. What, what were you? I replaced James. <laughs> I'm the second James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think he asked for like loads and loads of money. Um, and it didn't do so well. It did pretty well, mm. but it didn't do so well. Um, uh, um, so they basically were like, fuck, well, what do we do? Because we've just spent all this time. And I suppose the only way that he could go was backwards because they couldn't kind of like get, just get another. But otherwise, they'd send a pre, they'd set a precedent where we're just going to replace him every film. Now. Mm. So they were just like, so they wanted to get Sean Connery back. So they tempted him back by saying basically um, they gave him lo- I think they gave him a million to come back, which was a lot. Yeah, yeah, it would have been uh, for the Diamonds of Forever. No, is it Diamonds of Forever? Oh, I'm not big on my bonds. I think it's Diamonds of Forever. Might be. Um, I'd love that one. That's the one where he comes in at the start and he beats everyone up, right? Uh, yeah, and it's got the uh, uh, gay assassins. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I know who you mean. They kind of... Uh, they, they, they have very... They, they call each other, like, Mr. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're very polite to each other. And there's one scene when they walk off and hold hands. Right. And it's like... That's quite progressive. Because yeah. they're not like camp. They're just yeah. kind of like... Um, I think that's Diamonds of Forever. Uh, and I really like his hair and sideburn con, uh, uh, combo. Yes, yeah. Because he's come back now. He looks older. He looks a lot older than he did. And it's probably like two or three years later as well, isn't it? Uh, Mr. Winton, Mr. Kid right. with the assassins. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's like a few years later. But also he had in his contract, he wants to be paid a million. At no point does he have to talk to the producers if he doesn't want to. Right? <laughs> and there's loads of photos of him like, you know, eating ice cream and stuff on set. And, um, and uh, he took the money and he opened up a school in Scotland for underprivileged kids. Okay. And then uh, the other thing was he wanted to get two films of his own off the ground. I can't remember what one of them was. But they were like passion projects. And the other one, oh yeah, he got paid 1.25 million. And the other one um, was Macbeth. 
and he wanted to do a production of Macbeth where he was Macbeth and then Roman Polanski's Macbeth went into production so he so he gave up on that so he only made one of the two films that he oh, had, right, okay. had promised to him but I, I think that's a bit of a loss really mm. a 1960s era Sean yeah, Connery. Sean Connery, Macbeth. Or maybe it was early seventies. Maybe was it? Probably by then. Yeah. What year was it? I think. Um, I think on a Magic Secret Service is sixty nine. So it's probably yeah. 71, so it been seventy. He definitely looks seventies, and then yeah. because they wouldn't have waited that long for. Um, don't tell me. Uh, Live and Let Die. That was the first yeah. Roger Moore. So, um, so, uh, and this made me really ridiculously proud. So, Diamonds Are Forever did a lot better than on on a Majesty Secret Service, but doesn't rate as highly right and on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that yeah I watched a YouTube video about it and um, uh, <laughs> but uh, Roger Moore when he came on his James Bond made something like uh, 40 million more than any of the other Bonds than that oh wow so far. That, um, that book the Roger Moore book that we were kindly sent by uh, Dave Russell that was that yeah. I, I'm really enjoying and that really makes me want to watch it's the first time in a long time you go I'd really like to watch Live and Let Die again because it just it's very kind of it's a very entertaining book which gives you a sort of insight into it's the a, making of it it's weird I do, I do find it's not weird but it's actually not un, it's decidedly unweird it's but, unweird uh, Bond is a franchise just doesn't do anything for me but there are individual films that I really like as standalone mm. films and Diamonds of Forever is wonderful Man right. with the Golden Gun is another one yeah yeah Living at Die has never really done anything for me but um that's one almost that's sort of doing their kind of black exploitation film version of James Bond isn't it that, but that's exactly of, what they pick was. up whatever's big don't they at the time they kind of go what's the big thing at the minute yeah and they go because it's, it's a franchise that has to run and has to maintain over what it's been now 50 well, odd years yeah. so they have to go like Right, what's big? We've got to jump on that. But historically, you look at them and you go, well, you know, at the, at the start of the franchise, it was something brand new, but then to keep relevant, they, so mm. they did it with Roger Moore a lot. They did black exploitation, they did science fiction with Star Wars and Star mm. Trek, and they kind of did that bit. Uh, but then, you know, they did that with um, uh, the second Daniel Craig film. What was that one called? Quantum of Solace. Oh, and yeah. that was like a Bourne film mm. where you couldn't understand what the fuck was going on for the entire thing and it was like 80 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. and it, but that was a really weird film. Because yeah, it felt, it felt like... like it's, I, they did the first one, which was a real, a real big hit and felt like, oh, that's good. That's like a good, solid it was like film. A, it's like they made an epilogue where it was like a really short, rushed film that yeah. followed on directly from the first film. Yeah, it feels really rushed, like... Um, um, like they would do in the 60s like we've got to really capitalise on this now yeah. and they do it and they've got like so Casino Royale is probably like a two hour movie and this is like 80 minutes and he's like just out of nowhere also, and it picks up right at the end doesn't it so it's like yeah, yeah, oh, it's five yeah. minutes I, after I'm the end I'm pretty sure of, there's some sort of overlap and, yeah. then, and the, the characters like follow on directly and he has flashbacks from the and it's kind of like you go that's not it's kind of like um, how do you reinvent Bond for a new generation, well, we'll put Daniel Craig in it and we'll make it feel really classy and um, mm. uh, and we'll get uh, uh, Martin. Is it Martin Campbell? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Who yeah. did uh, who did Goldeneye and yeah. Under Siege? Uh, and we'll the, get the Zorro films he did as well. And we'll it? and we'll get him in. And he um, uh, did he do The Fugitive as well? No, no I'm thinking of two different people now. Yeah. The guy that did The Fugitive did Under Siege. Yes, that's Andrew... 
what was he called? This is a real, this is a real rubbish one today because we didn't. <laughs> Quantum of Solace is 106 minutes. It's still yeah. under two hours. Well, I think most of them are like about two and a half hours. Andrew Davis did. Andrew Davis. Uh, and, um, but um, yeah, so the, so they kind of like did everything right to relaunch. You know, at one point it was kind of like, oh, Quentin Tarantino's going to do it. It's just like, yeah, you don't need to reinvent it that much. You just mm. need to sort of like massage it a bit to make it. You know, relevant and what it felt like was it felt like a really prestigious. Yeah, and it's classy, like well, we'll adapt a book again, like they used to do in yeah, the sixties. Like international, you know, it's like international caper, mm. but it's just. But it was also really sort of like uh, I remember reading um, Casino Royale, and it's a really uh, personal, like Bond is really vulnerable in that film, in that book. And so they kind of like it's a it's a really good book to do, and it's weird that they haven't done it up till then. And so they go, how do you follow that? And it's like they learnt nothing. They're just like, well, we've got to reinvent everything about it all over again. And they cut his hair, and they made him look different, and um, and you just go, no, 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 just sort of do an extension of that universe that you've created. Mm. It's kind of like taking um, taking a Marvel film and then knowing that you've got to make 20 of them and then just like changing the formula every single time that you do it and it's kind of what's made them last is it's the same film mm. 20 times yeah and what's and I don't understand I don't know I really liked I, I say I really like cinema I saw it once at the cinema and I still remember enjoying <laughs> it at the cinema what I don't understand is I think Casino Royale came in came out in 2008 what I don't understand is why they didn't release it in 2007 because the marketing would have just been 007 and then they'd put a two at the front and mm-hmm. it would have been like, it's almost like they planned it. But mm-hmm. uh, and I, I mean, I mean, in terms of like missed opportunities, you know, I just think in terms of marketing missed yeah. opportunities, you just think that would have been fantastic. Oh, 2006, that makes it even worse. 2006. Oh yeah, so it came out, it came out Christmas 2006. And you go, if you'd have waited a week, a week <laughs> then it would have been 2007. Like January 1st, like New Year. Um, that's that's, even, that's even more annoying, especially as the Omen remake was released the same year oh, on yes. the sixth of the sixth of the of the sixth. Yes, yeah, that's fucking. I mean, why did they do that? Because <laughs> they really said something like, "We don't want to miss out on those Christmas box office." But it's like sure, you put but. you put but just hold it for six months and then release it in the, in the summer. Hmm. Or release it in May. That would have been like waiting January, February, March, April. Five months. Yes. <laughs> I've worked that out. <laughs> worked that all out, man. Well, I don't know why you wouldn't know. But as, once again, I do not give a shit about Bond whatsoever. <laughs> but also, um, I, I think I I've... really loved Roger Moore. Roger Moore's Bond persona and I remember yeah. at the time I was really sad when um, Timothy Dalton took over because... It just it honestly hadn't occurred to me that Roger Moore was 78. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I, but I remember staying up late and watching the uh, premiere of um, The Living Daylights. I, was like, I think there was a royal premiere. But I, th- I thought the film was going to be on telly. And it wasn't. It was just right. it was people walking up the red carpet. And uh, that was disappointing. Well, they thought they were going to show a new film at the cinema on TV. <laughs> uh, well, come on. I was six. Well, come and they on. Said this, 006. They said it's the premiere. It's the uh, premiere yeah, 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 yeah. of Living Daylights. Right. So I waited up to watch it. Oh, fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. That's not like you, Nat. 
You're normally the guy that's reining it in. Wow. <laughs> Can't go on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's all I've got to say about that. I, I, I quite like there's a bit in that the acknowledgements of the uh, that Roger Moore book for Live and Let Die has all these kind of people he's thanking, Cubby Broccoli and his wife and kids and things. And at the bottom he says, but most of all, thanks to Sean Connery, without whom none of this would be possible. <laughs> and you go, that's oh, nice. He's the other guy. <laughs> No, but he would have gone down in some sort of history, wouldn't he? If he was, he was already like a TV oh, star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I think he's just saying it in the idea that I wouldn't be doing a book about me being James Bond if Sean Connery was still James Bond. It's a book about him being James Bond. Yeah, it's like him. It's like the di- It's like his diary of when he's just been asked to. Well, they're just about to start filming. So is, is it the Bond diaries? Yeah. Uh, we should probably tell you uh, we had a very thoughtless gift, which was um, uh, some. Uh, some some listener, uh, I say listener. I've not been listening that hard because he would have been able to work out that there were two voices <laughs> going into his ears every week. Sent us a book, and I don't know what he expected us to do. Maybe um, Nat would phone me up and read it aloud. <laughs> Uh, or maybe he assumed that uh, I, as the faster reader, would have taken it, <laughs> and I'd have given it to Nat by now. But uh, but no, uh, Nat's got the book, and um, uh, so we're sharing a, a, a diary of Roger Moore. <laughs> but it's not like he doesn't do like a chapter on the quest. Yeah. You know? No, 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 no. I'm working with a young Belgian chap called Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> He's a rather excellent director. Today he came in dressed as a clown. Which rather reminded me of my earlier stint on an octopusy. <laughs> Octo. Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> the name's Bond. Is that eight vaginas you've got over there? You know, it would have been stuff like that if it was made today. Disgusting stuff. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh, fucking hell. Um, I'm going to play a song. Uh, and then I'm not going to apologise about it. <laughs> you took a first class trip to Paris. You danced in the streets of Spain. Followed the sun to Rio de Janeiro Cause you got so sick and tired of the London rain Nick and Nat's fan club on FUBAR Radio uh, So we're back in the studio I didn't even do it deliberately that time uh, We're back in the studio uh, I can understand why other broadcasters that have appeared on our show look at us in absolute disgust and horror It's not you Nat it's me, I've let you down. You haven't let me down, you haven't let me down. Thanks, do you know what? That means a lot to me. Gervais, <laughs> uh, white lady, oh, we do have, um, although uh, this show is predominantly about me and Nathaniel, our fans of, uh, we wouldn't want to deny you, the audience, from being fans of us. So, let's read out some of your fan mail. Why does uh, why does whoever it is keep scrolling back up again? Is it you, Nat, or is it you, Nat? 
Well, it's one of you. <laughs> Gervais White Lady. At Ger White Lady. Some defining characteristics of Nick and Nat's fan club. Film facts slash trivia slash scuttlebutt. What is scuttlebutt? I don't know. Is it like, uh, what is it? What is scuttlebutt? What the, what's scuttlebutt? She's looking at Oh, sorry, I was talking to you like you weren't behind a soundproof piece of glass. Um, what is Scuttlebutt? Do you know now? Is it, is it like... Uh, no, is it I'm like film facts I... and trivia? Scuttlebutt is slang usage means rumour or gossip deriving from the nautical term for the cask used to serve water, or later, a water fountain. The term corresponds, corresponds to the colloquial concept of a water cooler in an office setting, which at times becomes the focus of congregation casual discussion. Ah, uh, uh, yes, of course. Oh, that's a real water cooler moment. <laughs> Scuttlebutt. Nice, I'll accept it. Good. Some defining characteristic of Nick and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club. <laughs> it sounds like uh, we're either like a par- uh, partners with the yes. same, like uh, lovers yes. or uh, brothers. Yes. Uh, I've always said this, Nathaniel. You're my brother from another cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Film facts forward slash trivia forward slash scuttlebutt. Uh, Alice Cooper. Local fizzy pop poop. <laughs> Local fizzy pop poop. Local fizzy pop poop. Nick calling listeners fucking cunts, then cackling immoderately. I think that you'll find, Jeface White Lady, that I cackle just the right amount. In fact, moderately. If uh, you I all think... knew how much I thought that you were really fucking cunts, you'd think that I was actually quite restrained. Um, Nat pointedly eschewing profanity. Oh, I don't know if I do, but, but that's fair. I don't. I think that basically, by comparison, I swear a lot, mm. and uh, y- 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 you don't. Yes, I think that uh, you know. But you should hear. I just want you to know. I just want you to know, listeners. I let all of my bile and venom out on air. Right, so this is as bad as I get. But you should hear some of the stuff that Nat goes on about <laughs> in between the segments. And of course, Nick's telly anecdotes. Uh, that's nice. That's nice. That uh, should be a series. Can that, you pitch that? Well, it would just be uh, what three hours of uh, Uncle anecdotes getting progressively <laughs> sadder and sadder until it's just so pathetic that you just think, well. Oh, let's put him on FUBAR. So, <laughs> oh, this fucking show, this fucking show, it saved me this year. And this fucking station, it really is fucked up beyond all reason. Dear Nick and Nat, <clears throat> I'm going to do the voice. Dear Nick and Nat, Fridays have been the same. What? Oh, I missed a word. Fridays have been the same since you guys started (laughs) broadcasting. Uh, Dear Nick and Nat, Fridays have never been the same since you guys started. I'll do it like John Hurt. Dear Nick and Nat, Fridays have never been the same since you guys started broadcasting live from FUBAR Studios. Nat's quick wit and Nick's Alice Cooper selection makes the last day of working week of the working week 
Yes, that's quite right. That's quite, quite right. Of the working week. Go as quicker than ever. What the fuck? I mean, you're letting yourself down, John Terry from Norwich. I will never look at Nick Knowles the same because of this radio show, and for that I have to thank you for... When is the sitcom coming, guys? All the best, John Terry Norwich. I've never looked at um, Nick Knowles the same way since Natalie was telling me some scandalous... Uh... But I think... Nah. <laughs> Save the scuttlebutt for our fair. <laughs> save the scuttlebutt for oh, the, save the scuttlebutt for the water cooler. It's funny that I certainly uh, wasn't going to mention it live on air. I certainly probably shouldn't say the word scuttlebutt anywhere near it. So, dear Nick and Nat, have you considered that Nick Knowles was actually trying his best on the retreat, and it's easy for you to smear from your nice and cosy four-bar studio, four-bar studio, with your Levi roots, fizzy pop, and vegan cheese waiting for you at home? Hang on a minute, I'm going to really... Dear Nick and Nat, have you considered that Nick Knowles was actually trying his best on the retreat and it's easy for you to smear... I'm going to edit this. Um, and it's easy for you to smear his good name from your nice and cosy foobar studio with your Levi Roots fizzy pop and vegan cheese. Uh, but I don't... I don't keep it at home is the thing. I drink it and eat it on air. Mm. So... I, other than that, great show, guys. Five stars, Nolsey. Well, it's good that uh, Nick Knowles is actually listening and mm. uh, writing in. I'm sorry, Nick. Uh, I didn't, it didn't consider to me that you were doing your best. Uh, I think that I think that what I consider doing your best work is uh, not leaving an eight-part series at the, be- <laughs> at, at the end of uh, episode seven. Uh, but you know, by all means, we all have different standards. Maybe we can come on. Can we get Nick Knowles on? We just see what he's a fan of. Hey, Nicks and Nats, like the show, very informative. I've learned from you that I don't think I like films very much, but you are still good, and the show is a strong four point nine stars. Round it up, you can't. I'd give it five stars if you could sneak in some chat about science and medieval reenactments every so often. Best of luck, Terry with an eye. Uh, can I just say Terry with an eye? Uh, if you want uh, science chats and medieval reenactments, you've come to the right place. I can guarantee that in this year coming up, we'll try and fit one phase of Phase two. Yeah, phase two of uh, Nick and Nat's fan club. We will be fitting in more science chat and medieval reenactments, but we're not going to tell you when. It'll be at random. So listen, every week, tell your friends, and rest assured, we will get to it. <laughs> um, last week, do you know the guy who was saying who wrote Ken Roach? Not Ken Loach. What, what about him? I've just thought Wasn't afterwards. That on Monday? Oh, uh, maybe. Maybe, maybe it it's was. next week. Maybe it's next week. Next Friday. In maybe the in the future. That might happen, but I think we mistook it because maybe means like, like uh, uh, Wiggly Scott. Maybe means like that. Car- oh, maybe he's coming up with his own character. It's not a very well-defined character. Not like Wiggly. Not like Wiggly. That's three um, not a very, not a very well-defined character. And the thing about Wiggly is that he's instantly recognisable to anyone as a, uh, is Wiggly. In fact, Wiggly. Yeah, Wiggly. Not Wiggly, but Wiggly Scott. It's the Scott brothers. <laughs> Hello, Poor. my Poor. name's Wiggly, and this is my brother, Wiggly. <laughs> Poor old Wiggly. Poor old Wiggly. 
Heineken and Nathaniel Metcalf. Oh, Correct. Oh, fucking hell. Someone's just like basically, uh, I think these are what? Recommendations, maybe? Uh, recommendations. So, Red, Bruce Willis and Helen Mirren. No, I've never seen that. It always looked terrible. That came out in 2010, I think. It was sort of like a geriatric Expendables. If No, Expendables was a geriatric <laughs> Expendables. <laughs> um, Red was like, uh, what do you call it? Um, sort of Twilight years. Uh, yeah, but it was it was sort of like the, uh, I keep using it, the prestige Expendables, where you got John mm-hmm. Malkovich, Helen Mirren, Morgan Freeman... Yes, yes, um, yeah. Um, but it was like it was like this is what all of the oh and the, the actor Brian Cox. This is what all of like the the talent is yeah. doing. The, the talented actors are doing. Um, Red, uh, yeah, I think it's all right. Red Two is fucking awful. All right. Uh, Heat, Pacino and De Niro. I do think that this Warburton's advert is incredible. Oh yeah, the, the I, I don't think it's bad. I think it's some of his best acting work that he's done in <laughs> absolute years. Um, I do, and also, it's like a long-standing. Uh, every time that they release a new Warburton's uh, advert, people are outraged. But it's just like Stallone, Stallone did one where he dressed up as his character at the Expendables, yes. and he did. And you just think you're not eating carbs, mate. Um, <laughs> Then the Muppets did one. Yeah. Now De Niro's doing one. I mean, it, they pay a lot. It's obviously a lot of fun. I think Stallone did his when he was filming Creed up in... Was it in Liverpool where they do the... the oh, right, the yeah, yeah. So he was over it, and then it's got like... He's like a businessman. So he's over it, and they go, oh, yeah, I'll do a bread advert. It's only going to be seen in England. Um, <laughs> so... But also there's that idea now that everyone sort of... Everyone, like... Uh, De Niro seems to be able to reset everything where people go, can you believe De Niro from The Deer Hunter has, <laughs> has done a bread advert? It's like, yeah, mate, The Deer Hunter was was 40 years ago. He's but done what's Rocky he and Bullwinkle <laughs> yeah, since then. Yeah, yeah. But what's like, De Niro? People are fucking weird with De Niro. Yeah. So De Niro, went and, uh, when he was filming Rocky and Bullwinkle, he was uh, what the fearless leader. Is that the name of the character? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, or was he... Or was he Boris? I don't think he was Boris. No, it's Jason Alexander, wasn't it? Uh, so, so fucking Robert De Niro turns up at the Oscars with his haircut from Rock and Bullwinkle, and everyone goes, "He's gone mad! <laughs> Look at his hair! He's gone mad!" And you go, "Well, he's probably in a film. He's probably in a film. He's probably filming something. <laughs> yeah. Probably, uh, probably it's like Travis Bickle all over again. Look at him. He's got, <laughs> he's gone, he's gone, Travis Bickle for real." <laughs> Uh, I think I think the Warburton's advert's really good, but also I did think it was uh, did think it was funny where um, the movie Jack and Jill with the uh, uh, oh yeah the Dunkachino yeah Dunka 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 I mean the Jack and Jill Dunkachino advert and you're fucking hell can you believe Al Pacino, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Al Pacino is in a movie. Al Pacino is in an Adam Sandler movie. Jack Nicholson did it ten years before. Al Pacino is in an Adam Sandler movie, spoofing his persona. Um, uh, no, I think people seem to think online recently that it was a real advert. It was like that's the impression I was getting. It's like, no, come on. <clears throat> well, the thing that's uh, the, the grey area is the fact that Adam Sandler funds most of, or funded most of his big movies. Um, well, all of his movies <laughs> that were all big. When you watch them, one of the key aspects of an Adam Sandler movie is that there is just ridiculous product placement. Mm. So halfway through Happy Gilmore, the film stops for Happy Gilmore to uh, sign a Subway sponsorship. And then he does a <laughs> Subway advert halfway through the film and you go, fucking hell. And they sort of like play it for laughs. But basically Subway have donated yeah. a significant amount of money for... I think that the fact that... Uh, this is a bit weird, but... 
I don't actually really have a problem with that because it's so bald faced that mm. he's like it's up there front and center. You, so the little Nicky, he's eating Popeye's chicken all the way through it, yeah. and they have conversations about Popeye's chicken, and you go, "Wow, Popeye's chicken is the best." <laughs> and so he's eating that. But like um, in something like Spider Man, when Spider Man is in the middle of an action scene and he jumps on a Carlsberg lorry, you go, "Well, well that's product placement." Mm. But with this, it's kind of like they're going. Popeye's chicken, you know. So there's Popeye's chicken in on the key. Then um, uh, in Jack and Jill, which is pretty bad, it's got Pepto Bismol, which is that pink stuff yes, that you yeah. have for indigestion. And then they stop the whole film for uh, <laughs> a Dunkin' Donuts advert. But the, I think that they've creatively gone. Product placement exists in every. F- I'm, a, I'm a massive Adam Sandler apologist. I think Jack and Jill is one of the worst films. I've seen. It's not. It's just. It looks cheap. It's kind of like you look in the grand tradition of uh, actors playing multiple characters, all the way back to Alec Guinness in Kind Hearts and Coronets, <laughs> up to uh, Eddie Murphy in Bowfinger and The Clumps, and you know the lack of effort that's been put into. Um, Adam Sandler dressing up as another character is sort of ridiculous. And his, his character work is like, he's doing a voice, right? <laughs> he's just put a wig on and he's doing a voice. But, but um, so the film is terrible, but I think that one of the best parts of the film is the Al Pacino Dunkin' Donuts advert, because I've gone, right, Dunkin' Donuts has got sponsorships. How can we work this into the film yeah. in a humorous way? Because it's better than, I think it's better than Spider, it's, than pretending that it's not happening. Spider-Man yes, just right. happening to jump on a car's and I think I think the other thing with that Al Pacino thing is that he goes for it so much that that's why it works. It doesn't not work. It's not like a bad bit of of it is funny because it's funny. And there's so many Al Pacino film references in that in that like minute and a half. Like yeah. they mention they they do Dog Day Afternoon, they do Serpico, they do uh, the Godfather, Godfather Two. Like they mention they mention like pretty much all of his big ones. They, they do uh, Scent of a Woman. Like yes. they do everything right. And you go fucking hell. They've really like. I think that. Uh, there's more creativity in that one yeah, and a half minutes of the, than there is in the rest of the film. <laughs> like, they've really... You can tell that they've really enjoyed doing that. And he can really move, and he's got, he could move better than I could. Plus, the joke is, it's Al Pacino selling out, yeah. doing a Dunkin' jo- Donuts advert. So there's all of that on top of it, yeah. which I do enjoy. It's the fact that he's doing it, and he, <laughs> he is really going for it, but he is sort of bewildered. And then the joke at the end is, he turns around and he goes, burn it! <laughs> burn it! <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, and so he's, like, ashamed of it. So I think that... I think, I think it's, it probably has its donut and eats it because uh, they've done the advert and they're also like saying this advert is awful, but it's, they meant to do it. And then like what? Ten years later, Robert De Niro has done. He's dressed up in an orange outfit and he's done like a Warburton's <laughs> advert that's based on his Goodfellas character. And you go and Casino and and all of his Martin Scorsese films. And you go, well, I mean, if anything, that is worse. Then, and it also makes Jack and Jill weirdly uh, <laughs> prescient. Yeah. But it's like it, it had like a mirror, like a, a, a magic mirror, and it could see into the future. And yeah. it's like, we got Al, it wasn't Al Pacino, it was Robert De Niro. But, but I think, like, if I worked I knew for you, I knew it was you. That's more Richard Nixon. Hoo <laughs> <laughs> ha! I am not a crook. It just, that, was, <laughs> that was Al Pacino. <laughs> as, uh, you know, uh, fan favourite uh, Richard Nixon. All the, kids, all the kids are going on about uh, Richard Nixon, Nixon yeah. aren't they? 
these days. But it doesn't it doesn't strike me as at all surprising that Robert De Niro didn't advert for Warburton's. And if they went, oh, you'll never get him, I'd be like, yeah, you will. Easily, <laughs> yeah, easily. Of course you will. Easily. I, 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 one of the things about um, one of the things about uh, what was that film that they made? The boxing film. Oh, the with Stallone. Yeah. Oh, what was it called? The the grudge match. Grudge match. Yeah, one of the things about grudge match is that when they made Copland together, you go, "Fucking hell!" Stallone just about holds his own with De Niro. Hmm. And then when you watch Grudge Match 15 years later, it's just like, fucking hell, Stallone just absolutely knocks De Niro off the screen. It's like... And I think Stallone has actually improved. And when Stallone wants to act, he's really good. I always say, Stop on My Mum Will Shoot is one of the worst films ever made, but Stallone is good in it. And it's kind of really sad. <laughs> he's better in that than he is in uh, Judge Dredd. <laughs> And it's kind of like, mm. um, what was the other thing that they said? Uh, they said uh, Red Heat. I, I I saw a poster for Red Heat last night, and I thought Red Heat is the Walter Hill, uh, I think nineteen eighty eight James Belushi and Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, mm. buddy cop movie, and you just look at the Arnold Schwarzenegger as playing a Russian, and you just look at the poster and you go, that's weird, like. Like, at the time, they used to just put it on on Saturday. There was, like, a Schwarzenegger season, and it'd be, like, Commando, Predator, Running Man, Red Heat, Total Recall, um, and uh, and Raw Deal as well. Mm. And uh, Red Heat is probably, like, a second-tier Schwarzenegger film, and I'd say Raw Deal was, like, a fourth or a fifth tier. But... Um, but I'd, I'd forgotten Raw Deal existed. Raw, I'm not sure I've ever seen it. Well, Oliver Harper was in the other week was saying basically that he was really miscast. And I was just like, I, th- I don't... Well, I, I put off watching it for ages uh, um, because it just didn't look like a fun one. And then I saw it. And um, it's not it's not awful, but it's just... It's not... It's not. I think the thing that defines Schwarzenegger to Stallone is that Schwarzenegger made just really entertaining, watchable films. Stallone's always have like an element of worthiness to them that kind of make them not particularly fun. Uh, and Or uh, they just take themselves a little bit too seriously and they're not as re-watchable and quotable and all of that. Like Stallone couldn't do one-liners particularly well. Mm. But Schwarzenegger was amazing at that. Um, but uh, yeah, the red heat. I mean, you see the poster and it's Schwarzenegger and red heat. And James Belushi, obviously they team up years later for Jingle All the Way, but um, <laughs> but fuck it, it's just it's just really weird that they. That, I guess what's weird is that he's in an equal billing buddy cop comedy action. It's not really a comedy, but it's got Jim Belushi in it. Yeah. Jim Belushi plays it pretty straight, but I think that the fish out of water stuff is meant to be quite funny. That's oh, just weird. But it's really good. I I think it's a good. I, film. I, I certainly remember it being. I remember uh, the bad guy out of it, and I also uh, when you compare it to Tango and Cash, you just go Tango and Cash isn't even a film. <laughs> like the running joking Tango and Cash is that uh, they almost go to high five, and then they realise that they don't like each other. It's like they always go to what high five like they keep going yeah oh no, <laughs> and then at the end. The, the, their whole their whole character arc, story arc their whole story arc is that at, at the end they high five and it's uh, and it's that someone takes a photo of it and puts it on the front cover of a newspaper as Tango and Cash are finally high fiving and it's going like fucking hell what a fuck how how 80s in an 18 certificate adult <laughs> movie 
the story arc is that Stallone and Kurt Russell don't want to high five each other. <laughs> Go fucking hell! Although uh, there are, I think, I think Tango and Cash has got enough moments in it where you go, it's great. The bit when uh, Kurt Russell comes in, it was filmed just after Stallone's divorce from Bridget Nielsen, and Kurt Russell comes in with the Danish pastry, and he goes, "Danish," and Stallone goes, "I hate Danish." <laughs> And there's a bit when he uh, shoots a hole in a petrol tanker and it, and it uh, sprays cocaine out into the road. He goes, um, Rambo's a pussy. You know, he's talking about Rambo. <laughs> he is Rambo. And the bit when they misquote Die Hard, they steal the, uh, they steal the line from Die Hard. I think Tango Cash was 1990, Die Hard was 88. And the bit, I've said this before, I must have done. But on, in Die Hard, I can't get over it. I'll never get over it. Die Hard, uh, Bruce Willis sees a guy driving the car from the top of the thing and he's like smashing it. I think it's Al that's driving the car trying to get away. And he smashes the car because he's getting shot at. And Bruce Willis goes, uh, who's driving that thing? Stevie Wonder? <laughs> and in Tango and Cash, they steal the line, but they get it wrong. And uh, Kurt Russell says, where did you learn to drive? Stevie Wonder? <laughs> and he's in the film. <laughs> they, st- they stole it and they got it wrong. And they were on so much cocaine at the time. That it was just like, it doesn't matter, that's going on. Have you seen that? Um, I think it's ADR as well. So did you see that video it. this week of Goldie Horn and... Uh, Kurt Russell in Hawaii. No, oh, it's just a very sweet. Uh, they little... are. They're like the, they're like the sweetest couple on the planet. Uh, he loves hunting and killing animals, and uh, <laughs> she's just hidden. Uh, it's all just like you know. It's she's like got, she's recluse. She's filming on her phone, presumably. Kurt Russell when they're at, they're in Hawaii and they're going. Oh, it's like a, oh, it's his birthday. And they're going oh, wine tasting, and it's him like, yep, can't wait. And just sort of turns around, he's a bit. She sort of like, what am I going to do with him? It's like that. Oh, he's got to get drunk at the wine tasting. What's he like? It's that, and you go, no. I remember, like, like maybe 10 years ago, or maybe 15 years ago, there was like like one of those tabloid photos that were were shaming them. There was like Kurt Russell with like gut and Goldie Horn, you know, and they were uh, looking older. And they were like uh, on the beach, and they were like, you know, wearing flip flops and trying to navigate, walking through sand. And, you know, they didn't look at their best. And it was, like, posted in all the tabloids of being like, look at the state of these two. But it just looked lovely. They were holding <laughs> hands and they loved each other and they were, like, walking through. And you go, look at this Look at this uh, couple uh, that are walking through the beach, walking on the beach. And then you go, fucking hell, it's Kurt Russell and Goldie <laughs> Hart. It was lovely. And you go, that's, um, that's like a real proper, uh, uh, what do you call it? That's like a... Aspirational relationship, isn't it? Mm. Okay, right. We're going to play a song, and then we're going to get a guest, and then uh, we're going to do the next hour. Uh, what's your song? Uh, David Bowie, uh, Candidate, or it's the alternative version. Of course of it is. Of course it is. You and David Bowie. Fucking hell. <laughs> Yawn. <laughs>
Nick and Nat's fan club on Fubar Radio. Ah. <coughs> uh, you're joined in the, with uh, um, my, my, this is Nick and Nat's fan club. My name's Nick Helm. <laughs> That's a funny one. And uh, we're joined in the studio by uh, celebrity. I don't know about that. Celebrity yeah. chef. Just chef, chef, sorry. Chef, chef. You were joined by the man behind, the man behind the curtain. Did you get that a lot? Um, what, the name of my restaurant? The man behind, <laughs> oh, the, the man, man behind, behind, the behind the curtain. Actually, never. This is this is the first time that's ever happened. Genuinely. Mm. Genuinely. Yeah. Oh, I so people get, go, uh, he's the man from uncle. Yeah, I, 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 thought, I thought, bloody hell, the headlines... Uh, of, uh, I also thought that if any if there was ever a scandal, they'd say Uncle Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, someone's selling their story to the. But um, I'm actually quite well behaved, and uh, my career never got to that level. <laughs> so uh, but it's, it's also you never fucked your uncle. I never fucked my <laughs> uncle. Uh, and I want that to go on the record. Can we have? <laughs> can we have that as he a didn't. Uh, little absolutely jingle? Didn't. I absolutely did. Hundred percent. Yeah, but did he didn't. fuck you? Uh, anyway, so it's a very is, different thing. Hey, so we doing in London? What are you doing in London? Then? Uh, so the, the man behind the curtain is a uh, uh, is a restaurant that you uh, uh, created own own. Un- How I don't un-created. understand. I don't understand the restaurant industry. I eat in restaurants, but I don't really understand uh, all of the terminology. But so your restaurant is in Leeds. Yeah. Um. And uh, I told you the story about uh, me and David Trent coming, trying to come and uh, eat at your restaurant before. Yeah, you, you guys came on the wrong day or something. You were on. We came uh, a week early. Um, it's, a, it's a good story, which is in my show, Eat Your Heart Out with Nick Helm. So watch that episode, the Leeds <laughs> episode. But um, uh, So your restaurant is above a... Uh, clothes shop isn't no it? man we, we've moved since you've been you've actually moved yeah, what so buildings no same building but um, we were on the top floor of a clothes shop and then I've taken kind of the rear entrance and the entire basement so it's twice the size as when you came so you're not upstairs anymore no downstairs so you go but you still go in it's sort of like the no we're um, not, now nothing to do with that clothes shop like you have your own entrance there's no security anything like that oh I think I'd enjoy that a lot more yeah in what, terms of well, I felt very judged. On what you're wearing? By the clothes people, the yeah. people in the clothes shop. So is it quite a trendy clothes shop or something? What's this? It was like getting into uh, like um, uh, a capitalist bat cave. You go in, <laughs> you go in through like a posh, you go into like a Michelin starred restaurant through a posh clothes shop. That was it really. But, um, uh, but you don't do that now. No. Uh, own entrance, new space, bigger, miles better, miles better. So with okay. those, with those restaurants, here's something I never understand, right? If you weren't there last night, you yep. didn't do the cooking. Yeah. How much cooking do you actually do? Well, last night none. But, <laughs> like, but like, if, if people turned up at your restaurant, yeah, and they, I, I do about as much cooking as like Tom Ford do, Tom Ford does sewing. Right. Do you okay. Know what I mean? Or like, I, I, it's such a weird thing. I think is that a this, lot. None, that's none. That's um, none, right, so okay, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was one or the other. Y- you know what I mean? It's like, um, I think people have this weird perception with, with chefs and with restaurants that well, you're the chef, it, it must just be you that does everything. Yeah. Like, we do like 60 people on a Saturday night and there's 14 courses, there's like 800 dishes flying out the kitchen. <laughs> I, I have an absolute... Um, so what's your role? You don't, what's do, you? you don't do them all? Sorry? Personally? 
You don't You're personally cooking. do them all? No, no, not at all. Uh, this is a scoop. You've heard it here first. Wow. Fan clubbers. <laughs> wow. uh, I don't think I've said your name. <laughs> Maybe not. Which is tutored by Michael O'Hare. Um, uh, you went to you you came to public prominence in 2015's Great British Menu. Yes, that's true. Uh, uh, with um, I thought all of your dishes were interesting on that. I just know that basically I watched Great British. Menu. That's my favourite food show. Well, that's it, my favourite TV still? show almost. Uh, I didn't. Th- uh, did you watch the late? Do you watch it? I don't. I'll be honest with you. You were on it. I know. Yeah. Do I you was, know that? I was semi-conscious for that, but yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's like it's quite formulaic, right? Really formulaic. And I think what I, what is becoming increasingly obvious. <laughs> Absolutely no chance I'm going on next year. <laughs> it's a bit shit and a bit formulaic. <laughs> well, they won't listen to this. No, <laughs> don't worry. We're, no one listens. We're to under this. the radar. Um, but like, but what I found like originally was kind of like, oh fuck it, it's the Great British Menu, and uh, there's this banquet that's happening, and uh, all of these chefs are competing to to cook for this banquet and I think I really like the format of it and I was just saying I was saying basically that stuff like Game of Thrones that's eight seasons in I didn't start from the beginning and I'm not really interested in picking it up but I can handle uh, five four heats in a week and then a, and then a decider on the Friday yeah, yeah. I, so that's just about the level of TV that I really get into I don't think Great British Menu has ever been compared to Game of Thrones before. <laughs> ever. Well, I think I'm not, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm not comparing it. It's better. It's, I mean, it's, uh, it's leagues above it. Uh, no spoilers for the latest season, but it's not as good as uh, the previous one. Um, but, but what's becoming, what, what is, I think it occurred to me like a few years ago is that it's a TV show that, um, well, I did the. I went to the comedy awards, and what I noticed about when I did the comedy awards was that um, nobody had speeches prepared, and it was televised, and everyone was being very British and like modest, and they're like, "Oh, I didn't think I was going to win, so I didn't do a speech." And I was, I, I won an award, and I'd written a speech because I was like, I was thinking. Or I'd at least like written some bullet points. I was like, "Come on, guys! It's only a little bit an award ceremony. It's actually a TV show." Yeah, yeah, Do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. So, so like, you've got to. It's got to at least be entertaining. Like, the, I think Little was sponsoring it the year I won. Little, <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> so it's like, so it's like basically, it's an advert for Little. It's uh, two hours of content for ch- Channel Four or whatever channel it was on at the time. And then it's a little bit an award ceremony. But basically, they've created an award ceremony uh, to provide uh, marketing opportunities and content right to fill up some and Great British Menu is like it's not like they're actually having a banquet at Abbey Road they're making Great British Menu and they need a banquet oh yeah completely it's so like, it's like backwards and it? I, yeah and it's I mean it's similar to that that comedy awards thing but it's it's first and foremost it's a TV show it's not a cooking competition you know you need um a good story I, I genuinely don't think if I didn't have a daft haircut that I wouldn't have got on that yet it was like, oh, mint makes perfect sense, you know. I know that David Trent phoned me up and he said, "Are you watching Great British Menu?" And I was like, "No," and he said, "There's a barbarian on TV." <laughs> 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 and I was like, "What?" And I was just because you had black hair then, yeah. And, you, yeah. and fucking hell, uh, and you made those giant alien eggs, and it was like fucking. Was that the prawn dish? Yeah. And you basically th- there were these giant alien eggs. Yeah. With that hole in the front. And they would be placed in front of each diner, 
so that they were completely isolated from anyone else that they were sat with. <laughs> and then they'd stick their head in the thing and eat this, like, it was the raw prawn. Yeah, yeah, raw longest yeah. thing. And I had that uh, as part of your tasting menu. You did. Mm. Um, it was one of the... Yeah, and I think the other thing with that show is that, like, that is such a shit prize. What, like, g- getting re- what, a day of stress? Going go catering for, like, 100 people. <laughs> well, it's a shit... <laughs> you paid for it. Work. But it did you no, well. Sorry? It did you well. Oh, man. You're not paid. You don't, like, win anything else other than catering. No, that's it. That's, you just get... The opportunity well, to Mar- do some catering. Your prize is that Martin Kemp gets to eat something that you made. Martin Kemp wasn't at my banquet. No, but he was at the last one. He was. Nice was it, yeah, I was He's at, a nice guy. I, I was at that banquet. It was good. I know. I saw you uh, talking like a like a, a teacher on the last day of term. I was. That? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What I find really just absolutely mind-boggling about that is that well, it must be part of the show deliberately. They're always just like, oh, so uh, you, you've learned how to make these uh, dishes in your kitchen, and now you're in a strange kitchen. And like, oh, the ice cream maker's not working. Oh, yeah, stress. A bit of and then you get to fucking the Natural History Museum, and the, it's there is uh, no kitchen. It's overcast <laughs> and it's raining, and the space that they've had for a kitchen is a five hundred meter jog from the diners. <laughs> and it's kind of like it's like the worst possible conditions to make the food that they've made. Yeah, it, it's done deliberately, but I think that's what's maybe wrong with that show. If if I was to critique it, in the it's for me and I look at it as a professional chef I don't look at it as like a, a BBC viewer but there's the, it's not the platform that it once was for like top chefs to excel and to you know show mm. themselves it's off, like show a challenge show yeah it yes. is. it's like Krypton Factor or something so you're um, putting an, an environment where you're not set up to like it's not um, the Natural History Museum isn't a kitchen yeah exactly you've got to build your own kitchen or you've got to go and drive and get some goats or Abby, something like, Abby deliver Rush them. Studio. life's not that hard you know Abbey Rush Studio's got a microwave and a kettle and it's just like <laughs> go on fill your boots and it's just kind of like what and so basically they've got to build a kitchen so all the chefs for this one it just went all the chefs got there on the day before the banquet and they couldn't prep because they hadn't built the kitchen, so they were building the kitchen, and then people were like coming in there. Well, it's, your f- it's probably the only chance you'll get to look around Abbey Road Studio. So why don't you have a good old look around <laughs> Abbey Road Studio? And the chefs are like, going, "Don't give a fuck, mate. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm going to be embarrassed in like 24 hours." It was like, but, um, it's a sick place. To be. Have you been in there, Abbey Road? Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Like, well, then Michael Legg went. Uh, th- uh, there was photos of Michael Legg that uh, he's, he's another comedian that was um, that. Had, like had a tour of Abbey Road. He t- okay. He touched the machine that they did Sergeant Pepper on. Right. <laughs> that's, that's not that's not my words. That's <laughs> Michael. Lance. I was sat with uh, with Manny from the Stone Roses, and um, he'd been chucked out of like Abbey Road, kicked out for pissing on on the piano, <laughs> pissing on John Lennon's piano years ago. <laughs> so having this conversation, it was my fa- favourite thing from that entire day. Talking about pissing on this piano, and Simone, my friend, um, says to like Peter Hook. It's like, um, what's like the most rock and roll thing you pissed on, Peter? Rod Stewart. Fucking <laughs> 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 me. pissed on Rod Stewart. He's pissed on Rod Stewart. That's fucking class, isn't it? That's so much better than a boiled egg or whatever you're getting at a banquet, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You film that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Film right. that. Yeah, Not it the fact be. that you, yeah, can't, yeah. you can't fucking find the kitchen or whatever. <laughs> These guys have got stories. Because like. Peter Hook was kept going on about that he'd been uh, kicked out of Happy Rose Studios. But yeah, you don't find out. It, well, then. But what's the point in what's the point of what was the point in the banquet? What was the what was the, what were they celebrating? 
Um, they were supposed to be celebrating 50 years of British music. I mean, that's there. mental. That's been British music. <laughs> Where did they pick that year? Um, I think it was since like, oh, Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, fifty years since the Beatles last performed right, together. Okay. Um, I yeah. just don't understand. I don't understand. Uh, <sighs> I. You'd think that the mu- having that music is kind of like uh, your jumping-off point for. I would have expected there to be a, a higher level of. Um, Imagination in, on on the plates. Oh, you know what I mean? unreal! Right, they like, just looked like uh, restaurant dishes, or just like st- you know, someone made a, sh- a, a beef stew. I can't remember. I was what it like, was. Someone was like, "Oh, I've made a beef stew," because it's the sort of thing that they would have eaten after a recording session. Fuck off! and then always like, uh, well, what we've done is, um, I was told that there wasn't enough link to the brief, so I've got a treble clef potato cutter. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> treble clefts all over my plate, and you get that's still not a real link, yeah. is it? I kept shouting that at the screen, just like going, "Where's the link?" Yeah, like, yeah. but the music choices were insane, right? Well, there's so many people that whose Oasis is their favourite band. That's such a chefy thing, don't you think? Like chefs that because most of them have got no taste at all. <laughs> that is true. So everyone just like listens to Oasis and has a feet a bit wider than everyone else. But and Oasis <laughs> is kind of like uh, you know fish and chips it's like British McDonald's do you know what I mean it's just kind of like everyone likes Oasis on some level it's not like saying that I've got music tech I mean I've never been a I was a Blur fan and even now I'm really neither probably pulp at that at that time I was pulp and Radiohead but I mean so everyone kind of likes I I always associate Oasis with uh, the bullies right they liked (laughs) Oasis but like it was kind of like um it's, it doesn't really say like you know a lot about music and when they like talking to the show oh, yeah do you like playing music in your kitchen and they're like no I don't have it on <laughs> well, no, we, so con- we concentrate in mine and it's just like okay fine you know why you're here right <laughs> they're all like I mean we, we were talking about the Comet Relief one that they did when oh we yeah last week then, last was week. it last week yeah yeah then they did the Comet Relief one and, and then they all Demonstrated that none of them had like a sense of humour. Yeah. One guy did like a chocolate mousse dog turd on a piece of grass. Weirdly, I used to work for that guy. Oh really? Yeah, for about a month. That was absolutely insane because yeah. you just like no one wants to eat that. And then and then there was. But the that is funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in fairness, like, I think that it's meta. Poo, poo and poo and boobies, they're like yeah, yeah you know but I mean? it's only funny on a level of can you believe it? Yeah. <laughs> I am a professional chef, <laughs> and I'm basically attempting career suicide mm. by serving a dog turd <laughs> no. on a piece of. I mean, what'd be funny if they did it and they went, oh. Uh, and as they're eating it, he goes, it is real dog shit. I've <laughs> <laughs> just done you. So, see you later, guys. Um, <laughs> it's funny on, like, a once-removed level, but it's not funny on that is the only level it works on. Yes, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, d- chocolate mousse looks a bit like shit. <laughs> but I think, so I've ran I think with it's it. Kind of like, it's just, it, it doesn't work as an idea. Like, there's no correlation between food and anything. Do you know what I mean? It could be the Queen's 100th birthday. What are you going to do for it? Fucking food. Like, yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's well, got what does the Queen like? Cock. But do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, I thought one of the ones that was interesting about this one was uh, she did cheese on toast in the style 
of if I was to cook because Elton John has cheese on toast par- Oscar parties where he serves cheese on toast at his Oscar parties <laughs> and she went well if Elton John likes cheese on toast Elton John's good Rizzle Kicks can have it and, and, I, and I was gonna well we haven't got Elton John um, but if, if Elton John likes cheese on toast then if and I was to cook cheese on toast for Elton John what would be my spin on it and you go that's kind of almost exactly the brief because it's what food would a pop musician eat but I mean it's still very loose whereas you are influenced a lot by music in terms of the food that you do Um, the food that you do (laughs) (laughs) Um, but but it comes through kind of like the way that you go about uh, constructing a dish and thinking about like um, uh, the impact that a particular musician has had on your life yeah is that is that fair or is that wank? It's a bit wank, but I'm go with it because it sounded quite good, didn't it? Like, <laughs> um, no, I, I think the um, when when you're cooking at a certain level, then creativity is like a big part of it, mm. and of that influence is a, a huge part of your creativity, and and that comes from if you you know hugely influenced by music, then that's your personality, isn't it? That's what's how it's come about. So the way you think things should look, sound, feel, whatever is definitely based on what you're into and, and what your limitations are without that, within mm. that, you know. Um, but I don't particularly look at, like, Robert Palmer and think, although I have had an idea for a barbecue, Robert Palmer Q, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, in the summer, just everyone wears, like, linen suits <laughs> and we listen to, like, some really easy listening music. On oh, I've, that's given me an idea. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get um, a melon and I'm going to scoop out melon balls and I'm going to put them on cocktail sticks with... Uh, some Palmer ham and I'll call it uh, my Robert Palmer ham and melon bowl thing but isn't that what isn't that <laughs> what of the great British exists, menu doesn't it? that exists oh fuck it, sticks or, no, it's cheese and hot dogs is it isn't it cheese and hot dogs on sticks like a hedgehog yeah like a ah. hedgehog yeah yeah but uh, Robert Palmer ham you see ok what, what, you lost me with the melon bit well because you put ham with other bits don't okay. you Oh, it was just a nice so, little link. Oh, come on, I've done something weird like you would do. That's <laughs> exactly, exactly He's done what, what you would do. Put it on yeah. the, <laughs> but, what, but I'm not going to put it on the actual melon that I've used. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get a giant potato and wrap it in foil. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to serve uh, cheese and onion crisps right next to the uh, ice rings. And then that'll be a taste sensation. Well, onion, rings, savory, onion rings would be nice. Savoury and... Um, and sweet together. together well do you know what when you're little and you go to like there's like a trestle table of uh, party food yeah. you'd be like eating sure, eating yeah. the chocolate fingers as well as like the yeah. ready salty crisps <laughs> yeah. and that that that's a fucking flavour hey, combination when, that you uh, don't get when you're older no when I was at school my mate got me onto uh, Kit Kat and McCoy's salt and vinegar crisps and you, know, you snap your Kit Kat up yeah. and shake it in the bag with salt and vinegar. And when you have your chocolate and the salt and vinegar, it tastes a bit like a banana. Oh. Yeah, but it blows your mind. Like, Kit Kat and salt and vinegar McCoy's has to be McCoy's. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like the thick ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I promise you, it tastes a bit like banana. That's weird. Okay. Yeah, it's good though, unless you don't like bananas. I hate shit. bananas. I hate bananas. Maybe this is your and entry Kit Kat. Into and, yeah, this is your entry and point. McCoy's. I, uh, not just McCoy's, any rigid crisp. Oh, really? Yeah. What about Seabrook? Seabrook's a good crisp. Uh, I've not had a Seabrook. Uh, Natalie, can you uh, Google Seabrook? Seabrook's a ferry. 
but that, that, that's that you're you're saying you're from uh, Middlesbrough. Yeah. Seabrooks, I'd say, are that area. Yeah. They're they're not, you don't really get them in London. Oh, do you not? No. I was trying to look like I knew my stuff. Uh, I don't have a problem with ridged crisps <laughs> or, or, or Kit Kats. It's actually just bananas. There you go. There's there Seabrook. You, you can get yeah, them. I think. Cut there. Some straight cut ones. Um, yes. There you go. Seabrook. Um, you can't see it at home, guys, but uh, it's in a very uh, garish. <laughs> uh, they've got uh, uh, packets of crisps that look like uh, footballers' shirts, <laughs> so, uh, or a rugby player. What's your? What, I mean, I'm saying this from complete naivety. Yep. So, what's your day-to-day like in an evening running a restaurant? Um. Do you? Sorry, how often are you in your restaurant? Five and, days a week. Five days a week, yeah. and you'll be running it like you'll be running the kitchen. No, no, no. Um, so, you're in front of, of house. No, I'm in the kitchen, but I don't run the kitchen. I have a head chef to run the kitchen, right? And then I have chefs to run each section. So, are um, you like a sous chef? No, I'm the boss. <laughs> so, but I, I oversee absolutely everything. So then, the reason I don't cook. On a section is because I can't be there every day. Yes, and I can't. You want consistency. If, yeah, and if you if you do, you can't do everything. So if you do one thing, you've got your eyes off everything else. Right. Um, and the same thing if you're running the kitchen, if you're organising service and things like that, you focus so much on the timings of each table and what's going where that you can't really look at quality or taste. Right. Um, whereas I can have like what's called a tournament roll, walk around, taste dishes. You know taste things as they're going out make sure everything's the right time throw it in the chef's faces if it's wrong yeah or like you know if the melons aren't balled out properly Uh, I love balling out a melon (laughs) 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 Um, so you're very much like Walt Disney yeah, apart from the like, anti-Semitism and stuff like that, but uh, you haven't <laughs> you haven't drawn. Uh, people go, really? Do you know what? This is a thing. People go, you know, you know that Walt Disney. He didn't even draw the frames. <laughs> and you go, oh, of course he didn't. He had a whole factory of people drawing all of the cells, the animation cells. But he was the guy that oversaw it all. Yeah, exactly. But it's it, like it, his it, taste yeah. and his yes. seal of approval that oversaw it. That's why it's a Disney film. It's not a Disney film because he fucking drew, it drew every single frame, <laughs> you fucking moron. Yeah, and it's about like keeping your standards up, right? And I think if you've, if you've got enough people to do that job, you said it and you said, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And that's how you do it. And you show it. And then you just, that person just does that day and day out. And you create all the dishes first, yeah, and they yeah, basically yeah. take it on, and you do it to the point you get them to the point where they can do what you do. Yeah, just copy that. Yeah, copy that by doing this, and then do it for forty people a night, five days a week, and I'll stand there and make sure it's exactly the same. And I'd say that if they are chefs, it's not the fact that uh, y- what you do personally is so technically beyond anyone else's uh, comprehension that they couldn't possibly do. It's the yeah, fact that it's the, in, it's the it's the it's the inspiration of creating that dish in the first place out of. Yeah, you know, I think it's the, the, the idi- methods that are available of the, of the restaurant. Like everything in that restaurant has to be about me, and that sounds in- no, 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 incredibly that's exactly arrogant, but that, that's what it is. No, that does. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes much more sense to me now. Whereas when I think about it, it's like, how does that work? How do you do? Yeah. But that makes perfect sense. How did you get started? What was it? Was it always something you wanted to do? No, not at all. Like, because you started out as a ballet dancer. Yeah, I mean that's quite young. That's like as a child, but then like as a career. Um, I did I did ballet um, and modern dance first year at college, and then I quit that to like get a real job, um, and I just picked one that like sounded cool. But before that, yeah, you you, uh, you were a pilot. 
no, this is the bit, this bit here. This is what you just yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. So, so then did aerospace at college, um, and then university, and uh, I dropped out of university. But university was like the first time I was away from home, um, and it's the first time I got to cook for myself, and that's how I got into cooking. Is that I actually quite enjoyed it, like student accommodation. I didn't eat KFC. I'd, be like, I'd go to Sainsbury's and get a bit of fish or something, and it's probably quite shit, but I quite liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought this is like I'd rather do this or something with my hands than something that was hugely like mathematical or, right, okay. or academic um, and it, I wanted to be a pilot so I, I cooked for a few years five years and then dropped out to be a pilot and then did that got my, my private license and then to get my commercial I needed to earn money to pay for it and the only way I could get good money was by being a chef and then when you're a chef you work like ridiculous hours so you can't study and I haven't picked up a book since that really sure but, and worked out all but right, you could it? technically be the Bruce Dickinson of chefs, where you've got a caterer event in Egypt. I could be the so Dave. you fly your entire staff. I could be the David Dickinson. Because <laughs> <laughs> you love your sunbeds. <laughs> what are you a fan of, Michael? Oh, sunbeds. Sunbeds. <laughs> sunbeds and dumbbells. Because <laughs> um, I was thinking, I went to see um, my friend wrote a play uh, called Constellations. Nick Payne wrote a play called Constellations, and in it was uh, Sally Hawkins yeah, yeah. and uh, Rafe Spall. Mm-hmm. And it was like a two hander play where they were basically um, acting opposite each other. And every so often, uh, Rafe's ball would kind of like do one of them kind of like exasperated looks that you would get in the office, like mm-hmm. uh, Martin Freeman or the guy in the American one. And, you know, when stuff is going on and then he'll look directly down the camera lens, right? But it was Rafe's ball <laughs> doing it in a play, a two-hander play between him and Sally Hawkins, where he would kind of exasperatedly... Uh, break the fourth wall and look at the audience like what's that about and I said to Nick I found that a bit distracting that baseball uh, does that he sort of like breaks the fourth wall every so often and sort of like looks at the audience as if to include us in this two-handed dramatic piece and Nick said yeah he's not meant to do that it's just that uh, the director hasn't been in the play for a while and now he's just doing what he wants to and that that's a little story about keeping standards. <laughs> you know, if you weren't in five days a week... Yeah, exactly. ...then people would be fucking looking at the... Well, I guess it just mean they do more what they would want to do, right? Or they, they um, would sort of try things slow, out. It would be slippery, slidey, slow. It would yeah. be very much like the walking sticks and the twits. Yes, it would yeah, start yeah. very small, but then by, before you knew it, <laughs> they'd, they'd, they'd be believing that they'd shrunk. Or in this case, their egos would have grown. And you need to be in there... You know, whipping yeah. them. I, and it's not like... I whipping them into shape. I don't employ a lot of idiots that don't care. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone <laughs> is a professional chef. Everyone has the capacity of being an idiot, Michael. It's very naive of you to come <laughs> and say that. Yeah, in terms of cooking, they're not idiots, but... No, they're not. They're probably listening. <laughs> they're wonderful. Don't leave, ever. Do, and when, like, when you start out, how do you get to that point? So, um, so the people that are working in your restaurant now... Are they training up to one day they're going, well, I want to have my own restaurant in the future? Or I don't know. It's different for everyone. I didn't, I didn't think that I'd want my own restaurant. You just you end up with a job and you do it for a while and, and you try and do it to the best of your ability and then you get bored of doing it there, so you want to do it somewhere else. So what um, was it for you? What was the thing that... Were you always like, oh, I want to have my own restaurant, I want to do my... No, in, in honesty, it was... Um, I think it was through... I, I don't like catering. I don't like hospitality as such as a trade. 
I, mm. I love eating out in restaurants and, and things like that but the working environment the ethics um, and the stress and there's loads of like shitty bits about it do you know what I mean and that's probably why there's such a shortage of chefs at the moment but I, d- I didn't enjoy it and everywhere I worked there was always things I hated um, and I was like if I'm going to do it the only way I can do it is if if I have control of everything right so the the atmosphere is how I want it to be this you know what I mean um, and, and that kind of feeling's gone and there's none of that screaming shouting fridge kicking kind of violence there's no like overly long hours or anything like that we can have a good work life relationship everyone's happy then everyone cooks happy and then we've got food that looks like people give a shit about it because they do mm. you see daylight sorry you see daylight that's one of your things um not anymore. I moved to a basement. <laughs> I've got a quick question about that. I used to live at Caledonian Road, and I've just moved 10 minutes down the road to Holloway Road. Yep. Uh, it's not a big distance, but it was a massive ball lake. What was it like moving from upstairs to downstairs? Must have been a real pain in the arse. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was... Getting all them ovens down. <laughs> we didn't move a single... F- uh, just tables and chairs, that's how we moved. So, you, well, you've been to the old restaurant, and mm. that, that existed before as a restaurant before I was there. So I didn't need much to go in the kitchen. All that kind of jazz was already there. Um, but then the new one was nothing. It was like it was just an empty space. It didn't even have a floor. Um, Did so it have a floor? No, no. It God, wasn't you just must have been just plummeting for. <laughs> well, only for years. so long, and then you just come back up. <laughs> <laughs> then you end up in Australia and open up a kitchen there, and then um, yeah. So. It was like delayed and delayed and delayed and, and we overstayed our welcome upstairs by a week. We were supposed to be out and it was like Saturday night we finished service. Everyone's gone, just moved the tables downstairs and the rest of the restaurant, the kitchen, everything was all in. Um, but it, it was a right fucking pain in the ass. It's awful <laughs> moving. Yeah, it, it, it's terrible and it's worse when you've got to build it. You know, things that you don't care about, you then have to care about and it just becomes really strange. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, it's similar with uh, being a comedian. It's fine uh, turning up at gigs and going on, but if you've got to get an audience, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but is anything, anything when you involve business into it and making a living out of it, just that everything immediately becomes boring, doesn't that? You've just got this level oh, of you, like... As soon as the admin comes into yeah. it and, it's, and it oh, takes God. you further and further away from the thing that you want to do... Than yeah, than the actual vocation yeah. of, of it. Yeah, 100%. Just a quick question, Michael. Who directed the 2015 thriller movie Bridge of Spies? I don't fucking know. It's a multiple choice if you need it. Okay, yeah, I do. Is it A, uh, Ridley Scott, the human? Yeah. Was it B, Quentin Tarantino? Yeah. Was it C, Steven Spielberg? Or was it D, J.J. Abrams? It was D. J.J. Abrams. I don't know. Even though I looked you directly <laughs> in the eye and nodded when I said the correct name. I don't know what that was. Which was the correct one? <coughs> we'll, we'll try again. <laughs> right, okay. Was it A, Ridley Scott, the human? Was it B, Quentin Tarantino? Was it C, Steven Spielberg? Okay. Or was it D, J.J. Abrams? I'm going to go with D, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's why you fail, mate. <laughs> That's it's what not about winning, it's about <laughs> taking part. We're going to play uh, your song, what is it? Uh, this is the drums, Are You Fucked?
on FUBAR Radio. Uh, we're, jo- we're joined back in the studio by Super Chef. <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to say... That's what we call him. Just Super Chef. Just super. So that was... That <laughs> was <laughs> with a kit. Michael O'Hare. That was the drums. That was the drums. And I was unfamiliar with the drums. And you were saying they're just New York-based... Yeah, like New York kind of surf rock sound. I just like it. I like music that, you know, when you listen to it, you could be like somewhere else. Like right. If you heard that track and you had a little bit of like summer holiday buzz, you know. Because I mean? your, your, your Twitter handle was Hair Metal Chef, yeah, but you're like, not really into hair metal. Or I, are you? I am, yeah. Um, I like Motley Crue and stuff like that. But, right. Um, but I just think it's a bit twy. Uh, he pointed at my t-shirt just so you can... Yeah, not Motley Crue. <laughs> there he is, Motley Crue. Like, like Motley Crue. Like um, um, just, just for the viewers, the listeners at home, I'm wearing a Motley Crue t-shirt. Um, <laughs> it's a knockoff t-shirt that I bought from the car park of a Motley Crue concert. Yeah. It's also got Alice Cooper on it. Nick, just for the listeners, Nick and I aren't Motley Crue. Uh, no, and they're not behind you. It, it wouldn't have been an official Motley Crue t-shirt with Alice Cooper on it because uh, they would have had to split the uh, merchandise. Uh, so they wouldn't have done that. So it's just a knockoff one I bought in a car park. Okay. Uh, sorry, carry on. It's just a bit confusing the way that you posed that. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Michael. It's all cleared up now. It's though, all cleared yeah. up now. So you do like yeah, Motley Crue. Yeah, I like Crue. it, but I just think like to, to just wherever you go, like play... Fucking Maiden or whatever, do you know what I mean? Mm. I think that um, it's all very. Yeah, you'd have to like whatever music you like. You know, I like um, I like Motley Crue a bit, but I, you know, I but like, do, you, do you like other music? I like, like Dolly Parton. I like I like a folk musician called Steve Forbert, who's incredible, and um, you know, I, I like Bruce Springsteen. I like lots, I like lots of other music. I like some. Christina Aguilera. What what Christina Aguilera? What a girl wants when she's like twelve in the video. Uh, the one when she's talking about um, uh, uh, how mucky she w- is, wanking her off. <laughs> yeah. the, the genie in the bottle one. You got to rub her the right way. <laughs> when it's just like I mean that's about that's about fingering, isn't it? Basically. Uh, I, I never love thought that about one. that. I love the layers is, yeah. to that. So. <laughs> Uh, and I, I know exactly what you mean. When you listen to music and you can, and it transports you to somewhere else. <laughs> Fingering Christina Aguilera. Genie and Pop uh, by Christina Aguilera. That transports me anywhere but where I am right now. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, but I would say that if it, if I if people people automatically for years have seemed that I'm really into heavy metal and they go you like Iron Maiden and it's like I'm not a massive Iron I, actually I wouldn't say I'm an Iron Maiden, Maiden fan at all uh, I like Alice Cooper and you know everyone thinks that oh well he's heavy metal and you go actually he does a lot of ballads mm. well that, like that one today is like a very sort of Beatlesy, Lennon McCartney type sounding one so I just think that people can you know but I, know. I think most people that are into like into heavy metal or into rock don't really see past that do you know what I mean mm. and I think it's important like it's it's fucking great do you know what I mean yeah, I, yeah. I like Dad Rock I love Thin Lizzy but I don't really want to get in the bath and listen to Thin Lizzy whereas like if the Smokey Robinson the Miracles yes the bubbles are coming out yeah do you know what I mean oh. you farted yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Man, I've, had, I've, I've been, been eating so, at someone else's restaurant I'm so farty today so farty crikey <laughs> so glad I'm on my own but right. it's cleared up now that's lovely how are you in other people's <laughs> restaurants animal absolute animal <laughs> <laughs> so, so you went to a restaurant last night, right? I did go to a restaurant last night. What restaurant did you go to? I went to Cornerstone in Hock- Hackneywick. Yeah? Yeah, it's delicious. Uh, what did you have? I had, uh, it's all fish. I had um, pollock, 
John Dory, oysters. Pollock with a P. Not colic. <laughs> like it's a child. I just imagined. Uh, I just imagined uh, you colic, measles, <laughs> measles, moan, yeah. I just imagined you went to a posh, a posh seafood restaurant, yeah. And for your starter, someone just bought you out one singular bollock on a plate. Oh, you heard bollock. I didn't. <laughs> just trying to keep it light. Keep it light. He's trying yeah. to go a bit too... He was a bit too Ronnie's, wasn't it? It was the kind of thing he'd do on that. It's a little bit too Ronnie's. Um, so right, right, showbiz, isn't it? So showbiz. Pollock. Uh, who, who, who owns this restaurant? Uh, Tom Brown. Of course, the Tom the Brown. The Tom Brown. Mm. Of Great uh, British Menu, also. Um, uh, did you meet him on Great British Menu? I judged him. Did you ever meet anyone on Great British Menu that became, like, a friend for life? I don't know because I haven't lived all that life yet. Right. So, right, so like, you're, you're, yeah. they could, you know, could stab you in the back yeah, at any point. <laughs> yeah, fucking do me over. But do, but I, do, do you all kind of know each other before you go on that? Yes, on, mostly. I know of. Because um, they, oh, one thing I really hate is all the manufactured competitiveness. Yeah, it's And the puns. And they're all like, there's something about that style of TV pro- they do it on antiques programmes as well where everything is a pun and you pe- and they do it in um, they do it in uh, property programmes where everything's a pun and you're just like people don't talk like that people don't like puns but they're sort of like a shorthand and it's just kind of like you've made a pun and I and I, I write puns and like one liners and stuff like that but like the puns that they do uh, A they're not funny B it's just kind of like why have you done that? Why have you chosen to do that instead of just giving, having like a genuine human moment or <laughs> just a genuine sentence or a bit of conversation or a bit of genuine contact? It was just, it was fucking, it's fucking mental. And on Great British Menu, they're all doing puns all the time. Yeah, but I think that's people that like, it's nine times out of ten, first time on TV, and then you've got a lot of producers in the background that are saying, say this, say that, say the other. And they're just, okay, you know, and you become a robot and you, and you say it. Yeah, um, but and and also we need that like, rivalry in the kitchen. So you two, you know, can you say something like that's uber competitive about yeah. that person's dish? I'm gonna fucking kill you. Oh, we're both doing chicken dishes. <laughs> well, well, yours I hope, are birds. I hope, <laughs> I hope, I hope you die a bird. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jenny Bond's like, uh, well, there's been a lot of the you know, stuff like that. It's not Jenny Bond anymore, is it? Is it not? No. She's not actually there, it's just five stars. She used to be there. She was never there. Anyway, you were talking about your dinner last night. Yeah, it was delicious. Just, um, I think it's the best place to eat fish in London. I'm not trying to push it or anything, but... No, of course. Um, but it also causes second-day flatulence. Yeah, quite farty. I don't know if it's that. Um, it's a shame. It is. And um, it's Tom Brown. Tom Brown caused me flatulence. <laughs> okay. Well, wow, that rivalry fish. still hasn't stopped, has it? That is... <laughs> I mean, Why well, you heard it here first. Fucking kill him. <laughs> Want to, <laughs> want to avoid. Want to avoid. Uh, anyone else's? Uh, anyone else's careers that you want to besmirch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you might as well. What besmirch? Yeah, yeah. No. You, is is really it quite? It's not really a competitive thing then in the world. Everyone's got their own. I, I, I don't know. It's it's not competitive because people travel to restaurants now. So like, yeah, yeah. I think it, it's gone past the days of like. If you had a restaurant in the same neighbourhood, then there's competition. But now it's like, I have absolutely no reason to have any competition with any guy who's got a restaurant in London, in Wales, in Scotland. Yeah, 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 it's course. not the same thing, right? So it's like, also, it's not like you only ever eat in one restaurant. Yeah. You have the ability to go every day. You know? Yeah. Have you still got a very long waiting list? 
Um, for weekends, yeah, but I, I shortened it on purpose. So I only released the bookings for so far in advance now, because like, genuinely it was getting a bit. Don't want to get dark or anything, but like, if you've got like a nine month, twelve month waiting list, a lot can happen. You book with your partner, and then like, she's coming with a friend because they've split up, or yeah, yeah. you've got someone down as being pregnant, but she's actually lost the baby, and you're like saying, "I've cooked your meat for you," because obviously, and you say, "Oh no, that that oh died." God. Yeah, so it's like. Killed it, didn't I? But not the baby, the combo. Sure. But um, no, I understand. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I I feel the same way about gigs, and you know, I don't like people to book too far in advance. You know, just yeah. because um, by the time they come and see me, their level of anticipation is unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> it's still just me, so let's keep our expectations, expectations low, low. Okay. nice and low. Yeah, and then you can go up from there, right? Yeah. No, it's it is that. I like people coming into my stuff thinking this is going to be the shittest thing I've ever seen in my life, and then when they when it's not, when it's it's second. a win, <laughs> absolute win. I know what you mean though. I like that. I really want to manage totally what people are going to. If anything, you want people to think um, that was better deliver. than I expected. Yeah, it was better. I wasn't. Yeah. Better. Yeah, that's what I think. Obviously, don't if you're a chef, you don't want to over deliver because uh, you'll end up scraping on a lot of that food in the recycle bin. <laughs> large portions. Oh, right, large okay. portions. Sorry, that's what I meant. <coughs> yeah, so we, we've told him. <laughs> Is that what you meant? What the fuck do you mean? <laughs> well, you know, you don't want too much food on the plate. Life's great, but it would be better if I didn't have to go back to the office now. Who's? What's that? <laughs> I don't know. Does it go up? What tweet? What? Someone tweeted to the show, didn't they? Oh, you haven't given any context for that. thought it was about something about what we'd been talking about. Oh, fucking hell, what's your favourite film? Uh, American Psycho. Is it really? No, not really. Are you allowed to say it is? <laughs> yeah, 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 of course it is. It's a good, and, uh, <laughs> who's, uh, uh, have you read the book? I have, yeah. Um, what, do you, what do you think of the book? No book is better than any film ever. <laughs> oh, yeah, but the American Psycho book is. No, it's not. Although not the anymore. film is very good. I like the film. Just all fil- all the films are better. And than all books. Than all books. I think it's not that I can't read. I just think if you ignore the media or television, like, that's class, isn't it? Do you know what mm. I mean? You can do so much more. Yeah, like, maybe. 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 It's not like your imagination. You're not imagining shit. Someone's wrote it. You have to imagine exactly <laughs> the same thing. Sure. If you're using your own imagination, then what you're listening to, like what you're reading, is the same as me. So, yeah. What I, I would say that my favourite books are the ones with large print that I can read fast. Mm. A children's book. No, not a children's book. I didn't say a children's book, Nat, did I? No, Specifically, I didn't say that. <laughs> but I'm like thinking of something like Fight Club, which is like 150 pages. You zip right the way through Why it. has he got the large print? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't print it. I'm not okay. on the print. Probably because it's, it's, it's only 150 pages long. So right, they've so made the print big got it, got to it. make it longer. Something like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Tiny print. Tiny print. So uh, your, your um, uh, reward uh, of turning a <coughs> page is, you know... It took me fucking ages to read one through of the cuckoo's nest, right? <laughs> it was, I mean, you, 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 your progression through the book is so slow that every time you pick the book up, you're very disheartened. I think that is disheartening when that happens, though. I've been reading it's like for kind of, hours oh and I've turned three pages. Yeah. Fuck off. Whereas if it's a film, you know, you've done all of The Hobbit in eight hours. And it's, <laughs> if anything, <laughs> those longer. movies are better than the book. <laughs> better than the book, The Hobbit <clears throat> movies. Love those Hobbit movies. 
I wasn't a fan of the Lord of the Rings, but those Hobbit movies. Mm-mm. That's the one spicy me baller. Love them Hobbits. Right. <laughs> Coming to the end of a great cast. Coming to the end of... Phase one. End of phase one. The end of the show. Uh, has it been everything that you dreamt it would be, Mike? Everything and more. I feel like it's been educational, fun, and uh, and that was it really. Um, uh, good. If you want to find out more about Michael, uh, uh, there's a wonderful website that I like to go on called uh, www.wikipedia.com. Uh, <laughs> find out find out a lot of what you need to know. Although you probably need to update yours because there's some out of date stuff on there. Uh, right, gonna play the game. Um. This is the game. It's called okay. Better or Worse, and you have yeah. to say if the next person is better or worse than the person before it. Okay. But based entirely on my own opinion, beginning with Kim Bassinger, right? Michelle Pfeiffer, is she better or worse than Kim Bassinger? She's better. Better, she is better. Kate Winslet, better or worse than Michelle Pfeiffer? Worse. She is worse. Yes. Kiefer Sutherland, better or worse than Kate Winslet? Better. Better, he is better. Donald Sutherland, better or worse Lost than Kiefer Sutherland? Worse. Be- better. Better. Donald Sutherland is better than Kiefer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Colin Firth, better or worse than Donald Sutherland? <laughs> better. Than Donald Sutherland? Colin Firth is the best. Who? Colin Firth? Colin oh, Firth. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, no, no, no. Worse. worse yeah. He is worse. Ah, Paul, Paul Ross, better or worse than Colin Firth? Worse. He is worse. Paul Ross. Rene Russo, better or worse? Better. She is better. Rene Zellweger, better or worse than Rene Russo? Worse. Rennie Russo. Hang on, Rennie Russo. Yeah. Rennie Zellweger. Yeah. It's tough, actually. I would say uh, Rennie Zellweger was better than Rennie Russo. I think she might be. Yeah, let's Zellweger. go. Yeah, yeah. Although no, Rennie Russo was really... I like it. High cards. They're both high cards. Yeah, I'll say Zellweger, I think. What's, what's the final score? Oh, that was it. Final six. Score. Six. Oh, dear. Well, <laughs> Michael, <laughs> you've scored six, which means you're not as good as Sean Harris, Ingrid Oliver, Tom, John Niven with ten, uh, Daniel Cook, Daniel Knox, Taylor, Michael X, Solomon Gray, Rebecca Staten with nine, Cody Blakely, Jordan Brooks, Zeus, Kempner, Evelyn Mott, Paul F. Taylor, Rebecca Schwartz, Mark Smith, Carl Theobald with eight, Hayley Campbell, Brett Goldstein, Tom Goodman, Hill, Oliver Harper, Charlie Higson, Matthew Holness, Jim Hoskin, Laura Lex, Mark Smith, Esther Smith, Ian Smith, Elliot Speller, Gillett, uh, Josh Whittacombe, Sean McLaughlin with seven, but you are as good as Jim Cummings, uh, who has not been on yet, uh, Drunk Women Solving Crime, <laughs> Taylor Glenn and Hannah George, Matt Hyten, Colin Holt, Andy Kindler, Merritt Larwood, Lucy Porter, John Robbins, Richard Sandling, Mark Simmons, David Trent with six. Uh, about You Are Better Than Yasmin Akram, Rob Deering, Tom Meat, and Joey Page, Glenn Moore with five, Jack Barry, Bunny Galore, Tyler, Taylor Glenn, Katie Wilkins with four, and fucking hell, Sam Ashurst with minus seven. Minus we do seven. need to get the boffins in on that yeah. because that doesn't seem right. Hmm. Uh, he must have got nothing and then committed one of each of the sins. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, right. Okay, we've got uh, we've got three minutes. Um, well, we haven't. We've got we've got thirty seconds. Uh, anything that you need to say? No, absolutely nothing from me. <laughs> Fine, I guess uh, we'll I'm void, just um, void of all content. We'll just sit in silence then okay. until uh, our time runs out. We could pray. We could pray. We could religiously sunbird. Yeah. Oh yeah, so uh, you you uh, do weights, yeah, and sunbeds, yeah, many of thing. Two thousand nineteen is about being synthetic for me. <laughs> that's just you. That's not the food, because <laughs> that's how the uh, that's how the, the the steak comes out in uh, the the transporter in the fly. Yes, that's Gina right. Gina Davis says, "Oh, it tastes synthetic." Synthetic. What's that mean? Plastic. Yeah, sort of like um, like a. Yeah, plastic. Not Do you, would you ever go to like a McDonald's? Yeah, of course, man. Okay. Yeah. Good. 
Would you? Is that, is that, that's the only question out. he's wanted to yeah, ask you. That's would what I've been waiting you, for. Would you ever go he to just, McDonald's? He's been feeling yeah. grossly intimidated the whole time. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is your second favourite song, uh, and so we'll play this out. You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com.